Okay, let's go. Hey, hey, John, you know what? Um, I'm noticing we're just a couple months into the year, but so many people who started so high at the beginning of the year, they're really fighting discouragement right now. And uh, we, we just, you know, I just happened, we both were looking at this letter from Joseph who contacted us through Facebook, who is just in a season where he's super discouraged. I mean, he's doing everything he can to be faithful. His He's married, he's been full, he's in full-time ministry, he's got some financial challenges, he's got a baby on the way, and, and he's just thinking about quitting, and I, and I know that he's just one of many, many people that are fighting discouragement. What do you, what do you say? How, you, do you, how do you stay encouraged? You, you know, it's really interesting to me is how God, I remember one day I was reading the book of uh, Deuteronomy and then Joshua, and seven different times I actually noticed that, that God had said something to Joshua repeatedly. So I went and I circled it, and I, seven times God said to Joshua, be strong and of good courage. Now, what's the op- opposite of courage? I always thought it was to be fearful, right? Yeah, it's discouraged. It's, you put yeah. a dis in front mm-hmm. of it. It's discouragement. Now, yeah. Isn't it interesting that God is saying, hey, I'm sending you to new territory to take from me, mm-hmm. and seven times warns him to be of good courage. In other words, Joshua, he's saying seven times, don't yield to discouragement. So, and, and also, I mean, if it's be strong and of good courage, then we know that discouragement takes our strength and courage empowers us with strength. And that's why Paul said to Timothy, be strong in the grace of God, you know, because of discouragement. If you look at Elijah, when Jezebel released the statement against him, he had just had the greatest day of ministry of his life. He challenged the king, the false prophets, the entire nation. God answered by, by fire. fire. He yeah. outruns a chariot. And now the next day he's sitting under a tree and prays to die. He's so discouraged. He takes a nap. An and he, angel and, wakes him up. And he feels up. isolated. He says, I'm the only one. There's yep. nobody yep. like me. That's right. Right. Uh, yeah, and that comes along with it. So, and a lot of you know, and I just want to take that moment to say, a lot of people when they're discouraged, they think they're the only one fighting this, and they're not. They do not understand this is a widespread spiritual attack that wants to discourage you so that the enemy can displace you. So, number one, we need to make this really clear: you're not the only one going through discouragement, or the, I should say, the temptation to be discouraged. You are facing something that, as Peter said, your brothers and sisters all over the world have faced. The history of the church has faced it. And the key to it is to press through it by encouraging yourself in the Lord. I mean, just think about David. David, for 14 years, has lived in wildernesses and deserts. God brings out the disgruntled, the people that are in debt, the people that are offended. And these are the people that God brings to him. David influences them in a really good way. Then David is so attacked by Saul, he can't go back and see his family. Think about it. You're a young man. You can never go back to your family because Saul's got spies looking out for you. So he has to move over to the Philistines. So then he says to, so finally he's feeling like, okay, I got a community here, the Philistines. And they now go out to attack, right? And they reject him and say, no, when you see your brethren, because we're fighting Israel today, your heart's going to turn. We don't want you going out in there and fighting. So then he comes back from that rejection mm-hmm. and he comes back to Ziglag where yeah. he and his 400 men, their wives and children are staying. <clears throat> and what do they find? The Amaleks Every, have taken everything. Everything of value has been taken. Their wives and children have been kidnapped. And then, and then They've burned their houses. Okay, now, to make matters worth, 
worse, the last 400 guys on the planet that believe in you now want to stone you. I can't think of a lower place any human being's ever been before other than Jesus. And yet, what does David do? He encourages himself in the Lord. Not in his circumstances, in the Lord. And, he, and seven days later, Lisa, And then seven, seeks God. When God, right. and seeks God. He seeks God. He and says, God bring says, go after here. him, you'll recover all. And it just, to me, he, he had sat down in that and stayed in it. Who knows? Everything would have been lost to him. And I think there's some people right now that they need to encourage themselves in the Lord. And God's going to speak a word to them from his word. And they need to just go after it. And he's saying to you, come on, come on, shake yourself. You're going to recover all. And you know, it's interesting that God said, go after them. In other words, don't wallow in your discouragement. Go recover all. I've given you the word, go do it. A couple that we really looked up to, T.L. and Daisy Osborne. Can you imagine your only son and you bury him? And it was a tragic situation. And they had a crusade to do the very next day after the funeral. They said it was a little tough. I'll never forget he said this. And he said, but God spoke to us and said, go and in healing others, you, you yourselves will be healed. And we all face these situations. And the key is to encourage ourselves in the Lord. And many times God will say, go, look at Jesus. Jesus just lost his cousin, the only man who really knows who he is on the planet, John the Baptist. And why did he lose him? Because a young girl did a seductive dance in front of a very wicked king. And the king's you know, girlfriend that he's sleeping with, who was his brother's wife, said, I want his head on a platter. The disciples come and tell that to Jesus. Jesus is human. He's human. He goes out to a desert place to mourn. And the people come and find him. And you'd think Jesus would want to say, hey, guys, my cousin, my family member just got lost his head because of a girl doing seductive. Can you just give me a day? And what does Jesus do? He's moved with compassion and he heals. So often when we're in the deepest points of our discouragement, I've noticed in my personal life, in your personal life, I've watched you, Lisa, and admired you for years, but both of us, when we're in our, in our times of fighting, I know this for me, and I'll speak for me, and I'd love to hear what you would say, but I've noticed that God has said, John, go minister, go preach. I, there have been times I've walked into pulpits, Lisa. Last thing I wanted to do is walk into a pulpit, and yet I just did it, and that God shows up so powerfully. And you just realize it's actually not about you. It's not about your capacity. It's about what God wants to do through you and to those people. You know, John, I, I remember it was just a couple of years ago. I actually had a nightmare and uh, it's going to reveal a little bit of my fears. I remember I, in my dream, I thought I was awake. So in my dream, I actually thought I was awake. I thought you had gotten up during the night and, and woke me up. And, and I, I looked down in my dream. I looked down on the floor beside our bed and there was this big duffel bag. And it was partially unzipped. And I remember thinking, wait a minute, what's in that duffel bag? How did that get on my floor? And when I went to zip it up, 
spiders started coming out of it. And you know how I feel about spiders. I absolutely hate spiders. And so I started freaking out about spiders and, and rodents coming out of this bag. And I, I was like, oh my gosh, we need to zip it up. We need to zip it up. And I remember you and I ran the bag into the bathtub and began to flood it with water. And, and then I like woke up in a panic and was like, okay, there's no bag on the floor. It's all okay. None of that really happened. And the next morning, just kind of almost as a, a lark, I said, God, was that, were you trying to talk to me through that dream in any way? And he said, yeah. He said, my people are fighting discouragement. And he said, it's in the baggage of their past. And Ooh. he said, you need to, wow. they need to drown it in my word. And so many people don't understand wow. that if they speak the word of God over their circumstances, that it's going to shift something. It's going to bury that, you know, uh, spiders need to be drowned or stomped on, but these were too many of them. And I feel like there's been an onslaught really launched against people's minds and the word of God, you and I love the word of God, that the word of God can renew your mind. It can re imprint things, uh, in your, in your thought patterns that maybe the enemy has tried to circumvent or interrupt or take you on a detour, the word of God, and not just reading it, but declaring it out loud. Uh, you taught me that when we first, first met one another, you explained to me that I should not just read the word, but I should read it out loud. And when I read it out loud, you explained that I'd be speaking it, I'd be hearing it, I'd be seeing it. And that experience has been something that stays with me. Even now when I can, I'll just sit and read it out loud. And I'm telling you, I don't skip over as much. I see things. Plus the enemy hears me beginning to speak the word of God and God promises to watch over his word to perform it in our lives. The word of God is so powerful, Lisa. I, I, we have a friend who is a scientist, and she said that they have done actually experiments. Yeah, Dr. She's, a, Leaf. she's yeah. a neuroscience scientist, and she's done experiments where they have read um, they have read uh, history books, they've read science books, they've read you know all kinds of novels, and nothing would happen with their genetic uh, the the patterns in the brain. The epigenetics. But yes. when they started reading the Word of God. Yeah. Their epigenetic patterns started shifting. Yeah. It the shows you the power yeah. of the word of God. And so I, I know that if, you, if you're feeling fighting discouragement, not just read the word, give voice to it. Yeah. Speak the word, as Lisa was just so powerfully saying and reminding me of, speak the word of God because it literally will change atmospheres. It's not... It builds just faith. Words. It, it anchors you with hope, and it gives you a substance that you don't have when you substance. just read it. Especially you know, if you're feeling oppressed. When you just read and you feel oppressed, you usually just fall asleep. But right, when you are right. engaged with it, it changes everything. You, you, I, I just want all of our friends right now to just think about this. I want to create an imagery in you. You know, I love, I love imagery. I want you to see a real, real sword. I mean, a very sharp sword on both edges and this thing's huge, it's powerful, and I don't want you to see a physical sword now. I want you to realize it's a spiritual sword. You literally have a sword. Now, I want you to hear something. The Bible clearly says that Jesus disarmed principalities and powers. He doesn't have a sword. All he has is the power of suggestion, intimidation. That's all he's got. So I want you to think about you're facing an enemy and I want you to see this. You've got this amazing sword that takes that that you can wield and your enemy's got nothing. Nothing. 
That's literally what the situation is with you and the devil right now. You and these principalities, these spirits, these evil spirits that literally attack Christians in the thoughts in their mind. That's the battleground is the mind. This is why Paul said casting down every imagination and every every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Because Lisa, in my own personal life, and I'm thinking just in the last year, I had a real attack come against me when I was overseas. And you know that attack started with one thought. And thank God for a godly wife who straightened me out, and God showed me how it all started out with one thought while I was in Asia. And that's where it starts. And if you have one thought and you give see, you give soil to it, in other words, you accept it, you embrace you water it, it, you yeah. water it, mm-hmm. it'll grow into a massive tree if you allow it to. And that's what a stronghold is. And so strongholds are developed in people by giving credence to a wrong thought. That's why Paul said, what is ever true, whatever is noble, whatever is trustworthy, whatever is full of virtue, praiseworthy, Mm -hmm. whatever is honorable, think on these things because that's where the battleground begins is what we think in our mind. And if you give credence to that one thought, Mm -hmm. it's the beginning of a war. Absolutely. And I, and I do think stopping it sooner before it gets out of control is the, the, is the thing. I think a lot of times people will allow that to grow a really long time and then it's a monster before they actually uh, begin to address it. It starts as a whisper and then it just becomes this loud, booming, overriding thought pattern. So I, I love that you shared that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a little vulnerable. Um, I'm 56, but I'm going to bring you back to my 49th year when I was 49. I was at a friend's church. And he had just built this magnificent building. And I heard this thought, you have given the best years of your life to build everybody else's church. And I, I accepted the thought. And for the next two weeks, it was sheer hell on me. I was discouraged. I was lo- I'd lost my strength. I'd lost my passion. And it, it was bad. It was getting really bad. And finally, a couple weeks later, it's almost like the Lord allowed it just a time period for me to experience this. I heard the Holy Spirit say, no, you haven't. You have spent the best years of your life building my church. All of a sudden I was like, totally reframed it. John, you are so stupid. You know, I can't, I couldn't believe that I had allowed that thought. And it, 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 it consumed my thoughts, Lisa, for two weeks. And I, I can only imagine had I not been in prayer, because I was in prayer a lot, and it's like the Holy Spirit waited. And, but if, if, if I wouldn't have a, had that addressed by the Holy Spirit, I would have spiraled and spiraled and spiraled down. And, you know, I always like to say complaining is like going down a water slide, but giving thanks to God is like climbing stairs. Going down the water slide just takes seconds to get down. So true. Climbing the stairs takes a while. And so... Th- be thankful. That's why in everything, give thanks. Not for everything, in everything, give thanks. So uh, in closing, if you're out there and you're feeling discouraged, you know what? God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. I challenge you to get into the Word of God, declare it over your life, and understand that this is an attack from the enemy. This is not your destiny.